Hey, you found us. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. I'm Ben Glicksman with my tag team partner, Matt Story. There is Game 7 tonight of the Cavs-Celtics, Game 7 tomorrow of Rockets-Warriors. It's right in the heart of basketball season. The Stanley Cup is about to begin. Right. Indy 500 just happened, and we're not going to talk about any of that. (laughs) No. (laughs) We're going to talk about ASU and U of A football players historically in the college and pro ranks. Um, We did this already once with basketball where I think the – unanimous decision was that James Harden was the number one overall player but that in the pros but that in college the U of A just volume uh of talented college players and volume of NBA players probably comfortably takes ASU yep I think so football I think is a little closer on on both counts best player and best um well maybe Best college player is close. Best pro player, I think, is interesting because let's let's just dive right in with what I think is the most important fact. Arizona State has five players in the Hall of Fame, in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Curly Colt, Mike Haynes, John Henry Johnson, Randall McDaniel, and Charlie Taylor. U of A has none. However, I will go out on a limb and say that Gronkowski will be in. I think Probably he, so. I think yeah. he will be the U of A's first Hall of Famer. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, they don't really have anybody else that I would say has a shot. Um, I mean, looking at the numbers, I did a little bit, you know, as far as just like all pro appearances. Uh, is I'm it Lance Briggs? Right now. Uh, well, all pro, if you're first team all pro, um, Gronkowski has four. No other Arizona alum has more than one. Uh, now, Lance Briggs does have the most Pro Bowls at yeah. seven, um, but Lance Briggs is not a Hall of Famer. No. Uh, you know, and his, and, and his career's in the can. So, um, yeah, I mean, I would say there's really not probably anybody else who's even in the running right now. Yeah. Uh, Brewski went to one Pro Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. What, and, you know. and won, you know, what, three Super Bowls with them. Um, you know, so a, a notable career, but not a Hall of Fame career. Um, you know, Antonio Pierce was on the Giants team that won a Super Bowl and was a, was a pro bowler. Uh, but he's basically but yeah. a Sun Devil now. That's true. That's true. Uh, you know, Chris McAllister, three-time pro bowler. He was on the Ravens team that uh, won the Super Bowl, I believe, in his second year. You know, so that that's really your, your notable recent players. Uh, going back in the past, obviously, you know, none have been Hall of Famers and I don't. I can't think of any, at least that that would even really be borderline. I mean, Michael Bates had five Pro Bowls as a running I, back. So, not that yeah, he's a Hall of Famer. Was, but, hey, um, I, my guess is he was more of a special teamer. I'm thinking as a Pro yeah. Bowler, right? Yeah. Is he? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Okay. Okay. So I looked. I'm looking at him right now. Kick returns. I mean, because yeah, his running stats are not anything particularly notable. Yeah. He never ran for. Yeah, in fact, yeah. He never ran for more than 13 yards in a season. So it was definitely special teams. Yeah. Whereas for ASU, when you get to pro players, there's obviously Terrell Suggs. Right. Um, Who I think has a chance to be a Hall of Famer. Uh, Borderline. Uh, Not a guarantee, but two Super Bowl. Well, no, one Super Bowl. He wasn't on the first one. Um, But, you know, 15-year career, pretty productive, you know, played through some serious bowler. injuries. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think he's got an outside chance. Now, pass rusher is a position that is changing a bit as far as how we evaluate the numbers because sacks are up along with passing attempts, obviously. Um, and so, you know, where where we'll think of pass rushers by the time his career's over and then five years later, five, six, seven years later, I don't know. Um, you know, he's not a lock. But I think he's got a, an outside shot to be a Hall of Famer. But when you start looking at even just the Pro Bowl list, I mean, Eric Allen, six Pro Bowls. Yes. You know, uh, Anthony. Mike Haynes, nine. Yeah. yeah. Curly, Curly Cole, six. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Darren Woodson, five Pro Bowls and what? Three Super Bowls, right? He was on all three Cowboys yeah. teams, I believe. Mark Gastineau, uh, five know. Pro Bowls. Yeah. Now, Gastineau is a bit of a technicality because I, I think, didn't he end up, he barely played at ASU. He ended up at another school, I think. He did, but I'm counting it. He was there, yeah. He went. Yeah, I mean, in, in the same sense that Ian Kinsler was an ASU guy. He, he finished at another school, but he was there to start with. Yeah, look, he <laughs> arrived. He counts on our list according to Pro yes. Football Reference. I'm counting him. <laughs> I got you. And you know I what? You. I'm giving yeah. ASU and U of A equal treatment on that front. True. You know? I got you. I, I respect that. It's not my fault that we have guys like that, but right, right. Know. I mean, he's one. But the rest of this list, Mike Haynes, uh, nine Pro Bowls. You know, yeah, and John and Jefferson, believe, four. Yeah, Mike Haynes. I think won at least one Super Bowl with the Raiders, maybe more than one. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say one-time Super Bowl champ. Okay, two-time All-Pro, nine-time Pro Bowler, defensive rookie of the year. In a pretty, a pretty darn good career. Randall McDaniel, twelve. That. Yeah, yeah, that's good. There, there. I mean, that's that's uh, that's a, you know, Randall McDaniel probably one of the best offensive linemen ever. I mean, you know, I don't know how you rank him. That's very hard to do. Um, but I mean, you look at his first of all his availability. I mean, look at his. I'm looking at his page right now on Pro Football Reference. He missed two games his entire career. Fourteen years, played 222 games out of a possible 224. So. Right there, pretty impressive. He had uh, the highest value of any player on ASU, according to Pro Football Reference, yes, in the pro. Yes, yeah. I mean, a first ballot Hall of Famer. Uh, you know, one of really one of the best. I mean, you know, it's it's unfortunate that uh, the uh, you know his, he never got to a Super Bowl. Ninety eight Vikings. He was part of that team that went fifteen and one, um, and then he retired. Then the Bucks win in two thousand two. He played for the Bucks two years in 2000 and 2001, um, so never got to a Super Bowl. But, you know, one of, yeah, I mean, probably if you're talking like, you know, all-time teams, offensive line, he's probably in the top 15, 20 offensive linemen ever. Yeah. But but the volume of guys who are pro bowlers, I mean, Heap went to yes. a couple. Plummer went to yeah. one. Yeah. You know, you just can go down the line and catch – you know, one here, one there. Suggs, obviously, seven. Right. Um, uh, a way back name, Charlie Taylor, went to eight. Yeah, yeah, very uh, very back in the past, with 1960s and yeah. 70s, his career, I mean, basically, yeah. Danny White, quarterback slash punter, went to one. Right, right, yes. And, and you know, a long-time starting quarterback for the Cowboys. Uh, kind, of, kind of gets lost at the shuffle a little because he was after Staubach, but before Aikman. But I had a pretty good career, uh, you know. Went to went to I believe three NFC title games, uh, you know. So, uh, you know, a very solid career. Won a Super Bowl as a punter, not wasn't the starting quarterback, but nonetheless was on the team. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, just there's a lot of guys by volume. Uh, yes. And so from that alone, I think you can say that generally ASU has produced better NFL players. I would say, yeah. I mean, the, the trump card here to me is Randall McDaniel. Looking it up now, I mean, 12 Pro Bowls is too shy of the most in NFL history. 14 is the is the all-time lead. Four guys have 14. Another four guys have 13. He's got 12. I mean, the names he's with, Jim Otto, Junior Seau, Will Shields, Ken Houston, all Hall of Famers. Champ Bailey, not yet, but probably will be. Every name above him is a Hall of Famer or will be. Uh, I mean, so, I mean, he is too, obviously, as well. So he's, he's you know, NFL royalty, really. Yeah. Um, there's, there's also, I think, the asterisk on uh, Pat Tillman because he's the best story of sure, anyone. Sure, sure. Um, now, I don't know your thoughts. I, I'm not a believer in the, you know, Pat Tillman should be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I, I don't think so. Um, I, I don't know, either. He had a good... He had a good starter's career and right, left money right, on the yeah. table for a guy who was a seventh-round pick. Sure, sure. I mean, it's a, it's a nice story that he overachieved to even make the NFL. Um, and certainly his off-the-field story is very notable, but there are others who played sports that you know have, have gone in the military and, and we don't have them in the Hall of Fame for it. So I think the, the notion of putting him in the Hall of Fame is, is to me, nothing more than just exploitation and, and um, you know, making yourself basically sound like you're, you know, patriotic uh, by saying Pat Tillman oh. should be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. To me, no. Although, Great if we're talking story. about, if we're talking about superficial gestures about uh, being patriotic, then the NFL might, sure. might well do it. So. Sure. They might, oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if, if, um, if the NFL was in charge of it, uh, you know, they probably already would have because you're right. Yeah. They, they've uh, boxed themselves into a corner because of those gestures uh, in the last couple of years. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's um, you know, a lot of the Tillman stuff makes me uneasy, things that, that are done in his name. And I think arguing that he should be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame is another one of those. I just think it's a way for people to make themselves feel better uh, you know about themselves and and prop themselves up he's a, a tremendous story uh you know a very interesting character in the, in the type of person that he was that's not what the pro football of fame is for a notable story certainly but that's it yeah um so they have a category here on pro football reference yeah uh the career approximate value which is trying to create a single cross positional valuation for asu there are three guys whose nfl career av was over 100 suggs is 105 mike haynes 105 and mcdaniel 119 obviously the highest u of a has none lance briggs is number one at 98 and then brewski and chris McAllister at 70 each yeah yeah find it interesting that Gron- I mean I don't know how they figure this and maybe it changes the more years you play that Gronkowski is is a 66 um, I mean maybe that's something that he's only been in the league eight years so I, I suppose you know I don't know that how they you know calculate this but yeah I mean you you think based on the reputation and the numbers he's produced that he would probably be a higher number than anybody else 
I mean, the, his first team all pro selections at four right. are are second only to McDaniel across the two lists. Right, right, yeah. I mean, you know, and and uh, a part of what three Super Bowl team to teams that have gone to Super Bowls three? Am I right? I, I kind of. I mean, he wasn't. He Since was injured 2010. for the team that won yeah. two years ago, but he was on the 2011 team. He was on the twenty, obviously the twenty seventeen team. It's uh, am I missing one that they went to in between twenty fourteen? He was hurt, wasn't he? Yeah, he got. Or no, a, no, twenty fourteen he played. He got a ring, I know, in twenty fourteen. Yeah, so four teams that have gone to Super Bowls, he played in three of them. Yeah, because twenty fourteen he was he played in that game. It was twenty sixteen that he was injured mid season. Yeah. And yeah, I mean his his numbers. Now, obviously, you factor in, you know, the difference in the game as you have to just with like with pass rushers. Um, you know, tight ends did not use to play this way. They weren't they weren't you know enlisted to catch passes back in the old days. Um, but yeah, I mean you know, seventy six touchdowns is I think maybe the most among tight ends all time. Close to it, I think. Um, you know, he had seventeen in one year, which is unheard of for a tight end. Uh, you know, so yeah, I mean, I, I'm not a fan of his by any means because of where he went to college and where he plays in the NFL, but you can't deny how good he is. Yeah. I, I think that that might not capture his value, although I don't think it does. He I mean, hasn't, it's hard. he hasn't played a lot of games because of True. injuries. He has been injury prone. Yeah. Yeah. And you wonder, I mean, there's already talked this off season about if he would retire you know, you, you wonder, I mean, he's, he's, you talk about availability with Randall McDaniel, look at his, you know, he played 16 games his first two years, since then, 11, 7, 15, 15, 8, 14, so availability, not a strong suit, necessarily. Yeah, and even in the seasons where he played a full year, you know, there were games where he would miss and right. be banged up. Right, yeah, yeah, so I mean, he's, he's, um, you know, he's been hurt going back to college. He missed, obviously, all of his last year at Arizona. Uh, you know, only played two seasons at Arizona, basically, because his junior year he was out all year, and then he left early. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, he's he's been a uh, relatively, you know, injury-marred career all the way back to college. A surprising and very good pick that he was a second-rounder. Yeah, I mean, they got a good value, obviously, and they got in that same draft. They got Aaron Hernandez, which looked like a great value for a short period of time, and then, as we know, doesn't look like a great pick anymore, but, you know, was very productive in the time he played. Yeah. Uh, For whatever it's worth, ASU also has significantly more first-round picks, historically, uh, than... Yes, I would think so, yeah. Than you guys. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to go to that page now. It's roughly double eyeballing it. Okay. Um, Let's see. And yeah, it's spread wow, out yeah, over wow. time. I, and not and to be fair, admittedly, not all of these guys have you know worked out great. True. Including, True. but mean, not yeah. limited to Demarius Randall. Um, uh, yeah, but you know, not a terrible career by. I mean, you yeah. know, he's he's still going. There are, there are worse first round picks certainly in the yeah. in the history of the NFL. Um, but yeah, I mean, a, a pretty good list here that I'm, you know, I mean, never a number one pick, obviously. Um, Arizona's highest pick all time was seven. Ours was three, Charlie Taylor, who's all a famer. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so, you know, some good careers. Adam Archuleta was a guy who was really good for a short period of time and then flamed out. 
Um, Terrell Suggs you know, is on that list. He is. Who's, you know, again, I would say a, a borderline Hall of Famer um, when his career is done. Um, you know, some, some good ones. Levi Jones was a longtime starter in the NFL. Um, was Marvell Smith a first-round pick? No, I guess he wasn't. I thought he was. He's not in this list. He must have been a... I don't know, because he was a long-time starter for the Steelers. Okay, they're a second-round pick. He was 38 overall in his draft. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, there's there's some good players. You know, um, none, obviously, Randall McDaniel, again, was a first-round pick, and he's, I think, the best ASU NFL player. Um, but, yeah, some pretty good pretty good list here. Arizona's list. Uh, Chris McAllister, pretty good. Um Antoine Quezon was decent for a short period of time. John Fina was it. very good. John yeah, Fina was yeah, a, yeah, know, never yeah. a Pro Bowler, but multi yeah. multi year starter. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking at it. Yeah, okay, he played 11 years, 131 start. Yeah, yeah, I mean a pretty solid career. A lancer can't beat that. Mm-hmm. If we're gonna, but yeah, I mean, if we're gonna give credit where it's due. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, I. I think, you know, pretty easy to say. I, I think this one is almost maybe the opposite in some ways of, of basketball where you say ASU certainly has more volume, you know, more more pretty darn good players. Um, if you want to make the case that, you know, Gronkowski is the best, uh, I mean, it's really hard to compare a tight end to I was going to say, line. certainly best skill position player. Yeah. I'll entertain yeah. that you know, conversation. I mean, I, I think, I think Randall McDaniel pretty clearly is the best ASU player. Gronkowski is the best Arizona player. So really hard to compare their impacts. Uh, just, you know, that's what makes football tougher than basketball to do this in, really, because, you know, you have it's, – it's hard to compare a running back to a defensive tackle. It's hard to compare an offensive guard to a quarterback. You know, I mean, it's just – it's not easy. Different things are asked of those players. And there's not stats to compare them. One thing worth noting about uh, John Fina's South Point career is he was not a winner of the John Glinsky Award. No, which is amazing. Considering some of the quality South Point football players who've who've won. That's right. Yes, Uh, yes. You know, I'm looking at this list. Darlington played in college. I believe Souter played in college. I think so. And I'm not sure if anyone else has. Yeah, Pat uh, Welker okay. won, so that's something. Did he? Okay, okay. The also okay. the award was not uh, given out from eighty two to eighty seven. There's a big gap. Okay, and, and that might it, not be fair to Fina because he might have been there in that gap. I don't know. Yeah, he probably was actually because yeah, let's see, he was. I uh, just like I mean, he was in the NFL from ninety two to 02, so he's at Arizona. Let's say roughly eighty eight to ninety two. So yeah, that that would be his sell point career. Well, that was an unfair shot I took at him if they weren't giving it That's all right. I wouldn't have known that either. I did not realize they, they took years off. Yeah. I didn't either. But maybe it's like the Territorial Cup and they lost it and then they found it again. They might have. That's true. That's true. Now, when we talk about their time in college, ASU's got two Rose Bowl appearances. U of A has none. Right. That I think gives the nod on its own to ASU. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, you know, since joining the Pac-10, now 12, 
ASU has won the title or share of the title, I believe, three times. And Arizona has a share of it once. That was 98 when they uh, when UCLA went to the Rose Bowl instead, right? Yeah. That was, was that Cade McNown? It was, yes. And if UCLA had won their regular season finale, they were going to the BCS title game. And Arizona was going to the Rose Bowl, but they lost in a hurricane-delayed game to Miami. Wow. The breakout game of one Edger and James. Steel trap, that mind of yours. Yeah, I remember that very well, very well. They they were supposed to play that game in September, and there was a hurricane, so they had to delay it, and they delayed it to the to the very end. And that was before, obviously, the Pac-10 had a, a title game. So it was the same day that um, you know the Big Twelve and the SEC, I believe, played their title games because those were the only ones back then. And UCLA lost at Miami, and that was that was like kind of Miami's, you know, the first time Miami kind of got back on the radar, and then they had that run of you know, three, four, five years, but they were incredible. Hmm. UCLA had risen all the way to number three following yeah. their 34-17 victory over USC. Uh, and then the next week got beat 49-45. Yep, yep. Two, I'm sorry, two A weeks shootout. later. And then yeah. lost to the Badgers right. in the Rose Bowl by a few. It was the first year of the BCS. And, and that was, I believe, so Tennessee ended up playing Florida State in the title game, but it was going to be, so Kansas State lost the Big 12 title game. They were undefeated. They lost to Texas A&M, and then UCLA lost the same day to Miami. So Florida State kind of backed in with one loss. The Badgers that year finished 10-1. and one. Yeah. Yeah, that was a bizarre year. I remember that year. And there was another. There was a similar year, I believe, like 2002, I think it was, when I think it was Tennessee and Texas both lost their conference title games. And then, like, Tennessee was going to go if they had won, they lost. And Texas got the chance and they lost. And that was how um, Nebraska ended up getting back in the title game when they got dropped by Miami, as we complete the circle here. That was, was two, the was Wisconsin, two, 2001, I believe. 98 Wisconsin Badgers was the team that Craig James declared the worst team to ever play in a Rose Bowl. <laughs> and then after they beat UCLA, Barry Alvarez said, well, I know we're at least the second worst now. <laughs> that was Ron Dane, right? That was the great Dane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His Heisman year, correct? Or yeah. did he win the Heisman in 99? It was him and it was Brooks Bollinger. The yeah. long time, long time backup. Uh, yes. An occasional Viking starter. Uh, yeah. he won, and Dane won the Heisman the next year in 99. The next year. Okay, that's what I thought because 98, I believe, was Ricky Williams. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Uh, he won all of the awards the next year. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Because then he got. Yeah, so it was the 99 Rose Bowl, but then he came back for his senior year, I guess, in the 99 season. Mm hmm. Okay. And, uh, yeah, he was good. Yeah, yeah, those were the, the early Wild Wild West days of the BCS when we had crazy upsets and Big 12 title game always seemed to produce a, a you know, big upset, you know. I remember, I mean, K-State was all set to play for the national title. Think about how crazy that would have been. I mean, K-State, good program, but never got to that level again. They were right there on the doorstep, and they lost the Big 12 title game. Yeah. With one Michael Bishop as the quarterback. 
I remember him, I believe he was a backup for the Patriots, maybe? He was. And they brought him in to throw, like, a 75-yard attempted Hail Mary. It was, like, his only pass attempt in, like, for three weeks. Yeah, he did. uh, He was, I think he was drafted. I think he was on the team before Brady, because I think they drafted him, and then they drafted Brady maybe a year or two later. And he was on the team when Brady first got there, I recall, as, as one of the backups. If only... Yeah, Drew yeah. uh, Blood, so had gotten hurt earlier. I know. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's one of those crazy what ifs. Uh, you know, if Drew Bledsoe doesn't get hurt, do we even know who Tom Brady is? Probably not. Who knows? But, but anyway, to get back to it, yes, Arizona has uh, never made it to the Rose Bowl. ASU has made it twice. One one. Second one, uh, you know. Heartbreak could have won a national championship. Didn't know it at the time, but you know, two nights later or three nights later, when Florida State lost, ASU had won. They would have been the only undefeated team in the nation. Has ASU football ever been on the cover of SI? Because I remember distinctly the right. U of A Desert Swarm defense they were with Bruce. Season number one, yeah, mm. and then they, that was after the Fiesta Bowl, I recall, wasn't it? And then, yeah, yeah, the, in ninety five, ninety four, I think it was. Yes, I think they played it. in the '94 Fiesta Bowl, and then the next year was you know the big Desert Swarm. Yeah, yeah. I don't recall them being all that good in '94. Like they went into the year with a lot of hype, but I don't think well, they, they matched got, the hype. They got blown out by Penn State. Well, that was '99. That because I was about to say that that was not because so '98 was the year they went to the Holiday Bowl and they went like 11 and one or 10 and one or whatever. And that was and it. 99, '99 when they were the they were number like yes three. They started the year preseason top five, I think. Got blown out by Penn State and I think finished under 500. I think they finished like five and six that year. All right, I'm looking here. The '94 Wildcats started the year number seven. Okay. Climbed to number six. Despite winning their first four games, they fell to nine and then climbed back to six. Okay. Then they got beat by Colorado State, and they fell to wow. 14. Okay. Climbed back to number 11 and lost 10 to nine at Oregon. Okay. And then it was alternating. Beat Cal, lost to USC, beat ASU, lost to then number 14 Utah in the Freedom Bowl. Okay. It was the Freedom Bowl in Anaheim, California. Ah, yes. And it, I remember and, that game. And the network it was on was called Raycom. So. Oh, yeah. I remember Raycom. Yeah, yeah. I do remember that. Wow. Yeah, okay. So they were so they were not a terrible letdown, but disappointing from where they were supposed to be. Yeah. 99, they were more. So 90, I'm looking at 99. They were number four in the country. They went to play number three Penn State in the opener and lost 41-7. They actually won five of their next six. So they were five and two, but then lost four of their last five and finished six and six. Yeah. The 95 U of A team was bad. They went six and five. Yeah. And they had a lot of good years. I mean, and, and to be fair, I mean, ASU has, you know, not had a ton of great years either. I mean, neither... Neither program, really since joining the Pac-10, neither program has had a run of, of you know, four, five years where they've been really good. They've, they've each had little blips. Um, you know, for Arizona, it was it was 98, was probably their best year. 
or ASU was 96. Um, and then, you know, each team has kind of had a little run here or there, maybe one year here or two years there, but the consistency has never really been there. The other thing is they've reset at the same time now twice in a row. Yes, they have. With the coaching which is interesting. Staff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of a lot of coaching turnover. I mean, uh, you know, kind of similar timelines. I mean, I think Dick Tomey and Bruce Snyder both got let go pretty much around the same time, if I recall. Snyder coached through 2000 and Dick Tomey coached through 2000. So a similar scenario then. They both, you know, got new coaches at that point. Now, Arizona reset sooner than we did with Cutter. Because I think McAvick was only there, like, what, two and a half years or something? Yeah. And he get fired in 03. Well, it was bad. It was yeah. objectively. Yeah. Ob- oh, it was terrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a, a no-doubt bad hire. And they got Stoops, and then Stoops and uh, Erickson got fired the same year. And then now we've got Graham and Rodriguez getting fired after the same year. We like to do things on a cycle. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, you know, it's it's one of those chicken and egg things. Are you know, are you are do you struggle to have consistency because you're constantly you know changing coaches, or are you changing coaches because you're struggling to have any consistency of winning? I, I think it's probably the latter because I would say the majority of those coaches didn't didn't really deserve more time. I you know I would say definitely for Dennis Erickson did not deserve more time. Graham, eh, I don't know. That's a different discussion that we've had before. Um, you I don't know. know but, you're talking about NFL head coach Dirk Cutter in there as well. True, you are, but uh, he, he had run his course, I believe. Um, if you would you have know, told me, if you would have told college me that Dirk Cutter was going to yeah. wind up as an NFL I, head coach, I certainly would not have guessed it. And no, not only no. not only that he would have been an NFL head coach, but that he would have been an assistant, and a coach would have been forced out to make right. sure Dirk to took make the, head, him the coach. head coach. I know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. Uh, Things have a way of surprising you, and that's that certainly did, um, certainly does over the course of time. I guess, yeah. I mean, would never have guessed that. But weird things happen. I mean, uh, you know, 2004, Dirk was our coach, and Herm Edwards was the Jets coach. I certainly wouldn't have guessed 14 years later, Herm Edwards would be the ASU coach, and Dirk Cutter would be an NFL head coach. But here we are. And that in between, Herm would not have coached. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So things things are. You know, that's why, you know, the business of sports predictions is a lot of fun. But it goes to show you when you think about things like that, like how little we really know. Because when we were freshmen in college, would you have ever guessed that, you know, here we are 10 years after graduating college and this is the situation? Never. I'm not sure I ever would have considered the possibility of Dirk being a head coach. No, no. I mean, I would, you know, so there's 2004. I would say, let's go back to 2014. Just four years ago, would you have guessed that four years later, Dirk Cutter would be an NFL head coach and Herb Edwards would be our ASU head coach? I would not have. No. So, yeah, I mean, we don't even have to go back that far. I'm just remembering 04 because the Jets played at the Cardinals with Herb Edwards and Dirk was obviously our coach. And now, you know, now Herb gets to roam the, the sidelines at Sun Devil Stadium once again as in a totally different role. Who would have ever imagined I don't know if you saw the picture of the proposed renovations, but... Outside? Yeah. Yeah, I did. But I love the idea that the little parking lot between the the football stadium on the southeast right. entrance and Wells Fargo, they're going to turn into, like, grass with some trees 
Yeah. I, now, is this part of because uh, I saw this too? Is this part of the football stadium renovation, or is this part of the Wells Fargo Arena renovation that they're doing this? I don't know, but I, the sooner the better, from my perspective. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's an interesting look. Yeah. I mean, well, it's a place for people I, to gather. That's not a parking is. lot. You know. It is. Yeah. Yeah. No. I mean. The interesting thing about it is, you know, you remember from basketball games, that was, you know, there was rich people parking there. And, you know, so you're going to, you're going to, you're going to offend some people who, who, you know, spend a lot of money to park so close. Um, you know, so you got to, got to figure out a way to soothe those egos. But they yeah, can park it's, in it's the definitely interesting. On the north side. They can. Oh, I agree. I mean, there's a way to do it. But uh, I was, yeah, I was a little surprised when I saw that because I thought, boy, that's that's pretty exclusive parking, especially for basketball. Um, you know, football. I don't. I mean, I don't honestly even know who parks there for football because you're so close to the stadium. Um, but yeah, it, it'd be interesting. I, I mean, I like the look of it for sure. I would imagine it's more related to the basketball renovation because this is the first I've heard of it, and we seem to be near the final stages of the football renovations. Yeah, I mean, we it in theory, is done by fall. Yeah, I mean, the so. major the major physical parts are done by this season. I know, I think they have some bells and whistles that they're still intending to finish next offseason. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they're they're progressing. You know, I took a look out there just this week, and there's, you know, there's uh, there's rows being put in in the upper deck, and it's it's starting to take shape. Yeah. It's... It's going to be quite something, I think, when it it's is. all done. It is, yeah. I mean, it, it will be very interesting. Uh, you know, I mean, it's essentially, aside from a few parts, a brand new stadium that well, we've built on the fly. And keeping uh, it on campus, I yes. think, is huge. I, I think yes. that, not for nothing, the baseball team moving off campus and the slide of the baseball team are related. But they certainly are um, parallel tracks. Whether one caused the other, I don't know, but yeah, they're they're definitely parallel. So the fact that we kept the team on campus, and, and we've I talked agree. about it with you know visiting Ole Miss and some of the yes. other stadiums we've seen, it, yes. it's a much different and better atmosphere on game it day. Is. It is absolutely. I mean, it, it, it's uh, it's necessary. You know, for college sports in most places it is necessary you and i just recently you know last week when we were talking about different places we want to visit we talked about miami and we both kind of agreed like yeah miami's got a ton of history but it doesn't feel like because it's an off-campus stadium it's not where they played when they were great or you know at least the 80s and 90s great team um and so it it loses some appeal you know i don't personally look at miami as a place that i've got to see because it's not the same, and, and certainly ASU is not at the level of Miami. But you, yeah, I mean, you know, it's a it's a good location. It's between the mountains. I'm glad they were able to do this and and essentially rebuild the stadium on the fly. You know, it's it's really kind of impressive when you think about like how much of that stadium is new from when we were in college. I mean, almost the entire thing, except for the press box and the Carson Center and the visitor locker room. That's it. Everything else is going to be brand new by the time we open next season. One, we've talked about, you know, Washington having to move and play right. at, you know, Quest Field at the time. At uh, you know, the share Seahawks with, place. Share with the right. Seahawks. And ASU didn't have to do that. They, right. Now, their relationship with the Cardinals is fraught <laughs> anyway, so I'm Fractious. not sure they could have. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah. you know, the fact that they never left, that they were able to stay and yeah. play – 
is impressive. I agree. I agree. I mean, you know, I know there was talk a few years back that they were going to play a year or two at um, Chase Field, and it didn't end up happening. And I'm glad it didn't because it would not have been the same. You you lose something by moving off campus, by moving that far away, by playing in a, a place you're the guest. And sometimes you have to do it, but I'm glad that they were able to do it the way they did. Um, you know, it's it's led to, you know, obviously taking longer. You know, this project started, what, four years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you had, if you had moved, you could have probably done it all in a year and a half, two years, and then everything would have, but, but I'm glad they, they did it the way they did it. I would not have been a huge fan of playing at Chase Field. Better to keep four seasons and do it piecemeal than to leave. I think. Agreed. I, I think that yeah. this was yeah. a, I mean, this process, I think, you know, actually kind of started with Steve Patterson, but obviously really got rolling with Ray Anderson. Right. And I think they did a really good job, uh, you know, being there last year, seeing it, you know, three quarters of the way done. Yes. Yes. It's, it's a beautiful college stadium and cutting down the seating capacity was smart. Uh, I think getting rid of this year, the double student section is also smart. I think so too. I personally, if I was a student, I don't love that they give them the bad seats in the end zone. I understand why, especially sure, when you cut sure. down on seating that you do exactly. it. Exactly. But other than that, you know, I have no real qualms, and that's more of a ticket sell right. issue than a stadium build issue. Yeah, I agree. No, I mean, I'm I'm with you. I think they've done a good job with it. I'm very anxious to see, you know, how it looks as a as a completed product, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I've been happy that they were able to play on campus, remain on campus. And, you know, even though it is like a new stadium, it's not because it is the same place and there is a history to it. Um, they renovated it, but you walk in there and you think, you know, well, this is, you know, this is where uh, Troy Aikman played 30 years ago. You know, this is where John Elway played. I mean, there's that's cool. Uh, I like that as someone who's a fan of history, so... I'm glad that we were able to do it this way. It's where the Rolling Stones played. Not that anyone cares. It is. It is. Yeah, I mean, it's the whole, you know, I mean, God, they played the Super Bowl there. You know, there's there's a lot of a lot of great things that have happened at that place, and uh, I'm glad that we're still in the same place. Right, Super Bowls, national titles. It, yeah. There is a lot of history between the Buttes. There is. I mean, you know, the game that kind of – I would say, you know, in some ways, changed college football was Penn State, Miami. You know, two two independents that got set up to play in a national title game. That was a concept that didn't exist before, and and it kind of, you know, was the forerunner of what we've got now in the BCS, and that happened right there. Yeah, it's uh, it's a special place as an ASU fan, as a fan of football history. Yeah, yeah, it is. You know, I mean, it's not. It's not the L.A. Coliseum. It's not the Rose Bowl. I get that. Um, but, you know, it is a it is a unique place. A lot of, you know, all-time greats have played there in college and pro football. And so I'm glad we're still there, and I'm glad you can still walk in. And, yeah, it looks new, but you can still say, well, this is the same, you know, this is the same field that all these guys played. It's the same tunnel these guys walked out. That's, that's cool to me. It's a- – a much different scale, obviously. But it's like the Packers redesign of Lambeau. Yes. You know? 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And you 
got to, you know, we saw it um, at Fenway. You know, they did a great job there of updating it, making it modern, but it's still the same place. You can still go there and say, man, that's, that's Fenway Park. That's cool. Wrigley Field, same thing. You know, those things are cool. And I mean, yeah, Sun Devil Stadium is not at those levels. But for us, it is, I think. Uh, you know, on a national level, it's not. But, you know, if you're an ASU person like we, you and me, it is. When, when you see, like, Yankee Stadium, when they redid it and they tore it down and built a new one, yeah. they tried to save some of, like, what made it Yankee Stadium, you know? And, but it's not. Yeah. And ASU was able to preserve some of what made it Sun Devil Stadium, which I think really, for me, is its location and what it's surrounded yes. by. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's where it is. Uh, you know, is is such a cool. It's a unique location. It really is. I mean, it's it's something that's different about ASU, and that's. I mean, that's the coolest thing about going to a stadium is, is the things that are different. You know, whether it's it's the, you know, the the way the stadium looks or where it's located or whatever. I mean, that's what that's what you notice. And um, yeah, I mean, it's it's something that makes it unique. And had we moved and played, you know somewhere on the 202-101 area. Wouldn't have been the same. Might have been a nice place, but it would not have been the same. Yeah, they built it, you know, Rio Salado and McClintock. Right. Something not like the that. same. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, so I'm glad with what they've done, and I'm excited to see what it looks like. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what that southeast entrance, if that's going to be this year. I don't, I don't know. Um, I'd be surprised, you know, they'd have to put that together pretty quickly, but... Um, maybe that's something they're going to do next offseason. Maybe that's part of the you know finishing stages they have to do in 2019. It looked nice for sure. It did. It did. Yeah, yeah. And then you know now the big project now is to do this Wells Fargo renovation and you know keep going with that because you know you and I are excited about basketball. Part of that has to be getting that arena up to date. Well, and from a school perspective, strike while the iron's hot. Exactly. You're selling tickets. You have Bobby Hurley. You're recruiting well. Exactly. There's no yeah. guarantee. Yeah. ASU basketball is not a sure thing. No, it's not. No, no. So this is this is the time to do it. And you know, I mean, I know the plans they announced a few months ago were pretty immediate. It wasn't like you know, hey, we're hoping to do this in the next ten years. It was. Uh, I mean, wasn't it? You know, they wanted to have it done by 2020 or something like that. Yeah. So, I mean, I would think you start on that. I don't know if they're doing stuff this offseason, but certainly after next season, you got to get rolling on that, obviously. That's another arena that could stand to be a little smaller. It could, and I'm hoping that's what they'll do. And it sounds like that's the intent, is to, you know, redo it, make it a little smaller, and then wasn't the idea to kind of do like a second, even smaller arena where they could play hockey, you know, they were going to play hockey and, and like, you know, the other sport, you know, basically have basketball in one spot, play everything else in the smaller place. They could do hockey, gymnastics. Um, wrestling. Wrestling. That was the one I was blanking on. And, and I guess volleyball, too, probably, right? Oh, yeah. I don't remember Something seeing like that. that in the story, but, yeah, I think that's probably right. I'm just thinking of the, uh, the sports in the arena, uh, you know. So, I mean, it's it's a good plan. Now they, you know, they haven't. They haven't done any um, physical work on the plan yet, so I would think you gotta got to get going on it fairly soon if you're going to get it done by 2020. I hope that the redesign includes bringing the student section and the seating a little more close to the mm-hmm. baseline. Mm-hmm. 
just give it a little more of that ACC or uh, MacArthur court feel yeah. where you're just right yeah. on top of them. Right there. I, yeah, I agree. I mean, that, that would be that would be good and, and you know, cut down the, the you know, vast expanses of the upper deck, which never fill up anyway, even this year when we had good crowds. You know, we still didn't have sellouts. Uh, you know, so, I mean, yeah, it's it's better. You know, make it make it where it's not easy to get in. Like, you, you know, that's okay. Make it where there's, you know, 11,000 seats and there's 15,000 people who want to go. And it's like, man, you know, uh, supply and demand. Uh, you know, make it a tough ticket. I don't, I don't think that's a bad idea at all. Well, and one of those uh, figures lie and liars figure things, mm-hmm. as you, I saw in one of the, Twitter feeds was talking about how I I, yeah. on, on percentage of, uh, <laughs> of of seats sold, they uh-huh. had you know they were leading the Pac-12, and it's like, yeah. well, are you counting from when you had the dividers up? You must be because that's not be. fair. Because it said ninety nine percent, so mm. that has to be yeah, that has to be counting the capacity at the start of the year and then the total attendance of the entire year. Because there's no way. That we were at ninety nine percent. I mean, there's just no way. It's a great lie, though. Mm-hmm. Oh, it is, and it's one of those that unless you really know the dynamics of things, which let's be honest, a lot of people don't pay attention to detail, and especially West Coast Pac twelve, things get lost. You know, you see that out there, and that you know, people people in the ACC are looking at that and thinking, "Wow, ASU filled up ninety nine percent of their arena. That's pretty impressive." That uh, how about that? It's a lie, but, you know, it, it looks good. One last thing about ASU basketball before we wrap this up. Yes. Hurley scheduled Georgia at Georgia to go with yep. Vandy at Vandy, to go, which finishes that home-and-home, home, starts the Georgia home-and-home. Home. Right. So I assume Georgia here in, in the next season, I would think. Mm-hmm. Then you have Kansas. You've got the L.A. trip. Right. The schedule's going to be brutal again. It's going to be pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Nevada. Is Nevada the team we're playing in L.A., right? Yeah. The Staples. Uh, you know, Nevada's supposed to be maybe preseason top ten. Um, you know, Kansas is, is preseason number one in some rankings I've seen. Uh, you know, Georgia is not a great team, but it's a road trip. Mandy, same thing. I mean, those, those are not easy those games. Those are long road trips, too. They are. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean um, – yeah, it will be a test, and, and it should be, because let's be honest, it got us in the tournament last year. I mean, our Pac-12 season was nowhere near tournament caliber, but because we tested ourselves and played well in November and December, we had that chance to get in the tournament. Without that, we're nowhere close. I do not think we are, go- are going unbeaten in the non-conference. I would not think so. However, we didn't think so last year either, so who knows? You know, things, things tend to... Uh, Surprise us, um, but yeah, it, it would be a surprise uh, given that schedule and you know given the number of talented teams we're going to face. But you know, I think we can be a pretty talented team as well. I think we can be a top twenty-five caliber team. So you know, will we ever get as high as we did last year, where we were number three? Uh, I mean, that's uh, it's not hard until after thing March. To not until after yeah, March. you know, I mean, it's a hard number to get to. They're, you know, if you're going to get ranked that high, obviously you're really really good so i'm not you know certainly not saying you know well yeah we're gonna be better than that but uh maybe over the course of the entire season finish up better i I hope so 
this team didn't finish strong. They started really strong. They didn't finish strong. So, you know, uh, I'm hoping that, you know, 2018-19 maybe goes the opposite way. One last question about Hurley and ASU, and then we'll go. Do you think that it is – I saw in the story about with Dan Hurley and UConn where he said he's not inclined to schedule playing his brother. Right. But he right. would he would entertain the idea of like doing the L.A. tournament where he's in one game and UConn's in the other. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you think that that would also be true with Duke? Because we played Duke in Madison Square Garden once. Yeah, yeah. Well, it would be great to get to the point where we can attract Duke to play a home and home. Um, but, you know, and we got to we got to the point with Kansas. Obviously, the Adidas tie-in doesn't hurt. Um, but you know, it would be great if we can continue to play good basketball, get to the tournament a couple more times uh, in the next, you know, two to three years that we can, where it's actually beneficial for Duke to come here because winning here would mean something. Um, I think we could. Yeah. I don't, I don't think that's the same as, as family. I feel like the Hurley brothers are really tight and they don't really have the desire to compete against each other, which I get, um, you know, we've seen other stories like that. You know, you know, I'm a big fan of the Mannings and, you know, they both have said like in the games they played against each other, they didn't like it because it's tough. You know, it's not easy. Um, I feel like with Duke's a little bit different. You know, he loves Duke, but I feel like there'd be that that edge for him to want to compete against them. Mm-hmm. And certainly, he is hated at Kentucky, so that seems like a sure, sure, yeah, yeah. exactly, yeah. It'd be I mean, nice if we could get a home and home as opposed to a home in Atlantis. A home, in, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. I mean, and and you know, there's steps being taken toward that. You know, getting Kansas to come here is a real huge move i mean it's a huge thing for asu and uh you know if if we can continue the positive momentum and get some more schools like that get duke to come out here and go play there uh i mean god how fantastic would that be you know get kentucky to come here get north carolina to come here i mean i don't know you're probably not going to get them all but if you can continue to progress in that direction again you've got to be good because you know for most of the years we've followed asu basketball there's no incentive for Duke to come here. If they win, they're supposed to. If they lose, it's disaster. If you're a good program, all of a sudden, then you go there in December. It's like, well, hey, you know, we're testing ourselves. And if we lose, it's a character-building loss. And if we win, boy, we really proved ourselves on the road against a good team. I'll tell you who is on the list for me is Gonzaga. Yes, I would agree. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, and they are not shy about playing anybody anywhere, it seems like. I mean, they, you know, they, that's how they've built the brand they've got. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like that is a, a one we could definitely pull off. Ray, if you're listening, do it. Matt, Matt and I are there. You told, you told us to stick with you. <laughs> that's this, right. You know. We have. And if you're listening, can you make the announcement on Tuesday that Tracy Smith is out? I, really Tracy good. Smith is expecting to stay. I don't know what you I know. heard, but I know, I know, I know. I mean, I, I can't Matt, believe we, it. But Matt, I know. we tolerate back-to-back losing seasons and not making right. the College World Series. Yeah, I thought yeah. that's exactly what we didn't tolerate. That's what Michael Crow said. Back-to-back losing seasons is unacceptable. All right, well, let's let's put our money where our mouth is. 
Can we let CTT coach that that team? <laughs> Anybody. I mean, things have gotten really deplorable here. Um, they finished with the same record, but I think in an uglier fashion this year than how they got there last year. Well, and, to, and this year know. it felt more so than last year. I mean, that that kid, Spencer Torkelson, uh, like, a, an amazing year. A, a, yeah. uh, the stuff of legends, and it's wasted. Yeah. You know, they just, totally. Totally wasted. I mean, every game, it felt like they had three errors. And every one of those, it was like, you know, two in one inning that led to four runs. I mean, they were, they were really a poor fundamental team. Their pitching was bad all year, which is a common theme with him, that his pitching has been bad. Guys get hurt. They get, you know, overused. Uh, I mean, I just, I don't know how Ray Anderson, who I like, and I have liked the moves he's made. I question the Herm Edwards hire, but I liked the motivation behind it. We'll see how it all plays out over Obviously, long term. Hurley worked well. Hurley has gone the well. Softball the softball coach. Smaller sports, you know, he hired Swimming. the softball coach. He hired the wrestling coach. He hired the golf coach. We won a national title last year, women's golf. Uh, you know, so he's done well. But this one, I don't know how he can sit there and say that this guy is on the right track. I mean, unless he knows something that the rest of us don't know, and I sure hope he does, if he does say that on Tuesday, um, I just it boggles my mind how you can say that right now. It's one of those feelings that you get where, yeah, you can say things like, boy, you know, we had a lot of eggs in the Chad McClanahan basket and when the Brewers sure. offered him a million dollars, you know, what were we supposed to do? But I don't know. Every other team seems to deal with exactly. the same problems. Exactly. Yeah. We used to deal with those problems. I mean, we had those problems with Murph. The yeah. 2009 team that got to the College World Series was loaded with freshmen. But that class should have been even better. They had Eric Hosmer, who was a top three pick. They had Kyle Skipworth, who was a top ten pick. They had Brett Laurie, who played in the NFL. Or not NFL, basically baseball. Uh, you know, uh, Brad Hand, who's still playing. and All those guys didn't show up. And it didn't matter. Because we had other guys who were really good who led us to another Pac-10 title and, and 50 wins and a College World Series trip. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, that's an extreme example, I realize. But that's a prime example of a great recruiting class that had five guys go in the top 50 of the draft. Not a one of them came to school. And it didn't matter because we just kept on churning. We had six other guys who were really good who stepped right in and, and you know, we didn't slow down a bit from a team that had 13 guys get drafted off their own roster, not to mention the high school kids. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not trying to ignore that Murph also committed major sure. recruiting violations. He did, to um, an extent. Now, I mean, you know, some of those were a little overplayed. That, I don't know. That know. Cole Calhoun one is bad. That they basically camped out at the junior college and right. didn't leave until he signed, even though he had that already committed somewhere else. Yeah, yeah, you know, um, but you know, it worked out. Kid was great, you know. Um, and <laughs> I'm not I saying mean, it know, didn't work. Sometimes, no, you know, I, I know, I know. I mean, you know, but you know, there are um, yes. I mean, certainly that's why he's not here anymore. I get that. Um, and but, it's the Brewers. It's the Brewers' benefit because he's the bench coach for Craig Council right. now. Right, and I. Love it if they called him to come back. God Almighty, I'd love that. But I know that's probably unrealistic. But uh, uh, you know, I just, I just personally don't see how you can sustain this. I mean, fan interest is is at an all time low. I feel like there is a lot of negativity around the program. 
Well, moving um, off campus too, it has hurt. Yes, it has. Um, but you know, what's hurt more? And, and you're right. I mean, we, you mentioned it earlier. It, did one, you know, again, chicken and egg? What you know? Do, are we struggling because we moved off campus, or are they unrelated? I don't know. But twenty three and thirty two is just simply not acceptable for ASU baseball. It's just not, and it should never be. And I was willing to give him a bit of a pass on last year because, you know, one bad year, everybody can have them. Some all-time great coaches have had one bad year. But two in a row, with things actually seeming worse than they were last year, I don't know how you can stand up there and say things are on the right track. I, just, I mean, you, you really got to have a lot of blind faith to believe that, and I don't have it. Yeah. We so we'll will, see on Tuesday. I was going to say, we'll see if Ray has that faith. Yeah. I mean, the way the announcement was worded was much like the, you know, he was going to discuss the future of the football program on the Sunday after the Arizona game. And we know what that happened. So I'm hoping it happens again. But we'll see. Yeah. Although, I don't recall Todd Graham coming out and saying, I will not. be the coach. I, I remember him not. saying, I want to be. Right. I hope to be. Hoped he would be. Yeah. Yeah, he did not. No, I mean, the, the vibe's different. And certainly, let's not ignore the obvious difference. Ray Anderson hired Tracy Smith, and he did not hire Todd Graham. So there's a, there's a significant difference there. And you're more likely to be patient with the guy you brought in. But, boy, at some point, man, you got to realize that, you know, it's not working. And he's done a lot of good things. I like Ray Anderson and what he's done so far. But this baseball one has not worked out. And sometimes it's, you know, as Van Wilder's dad said, sometimes you got to realize a bad investment and cut your losses. And I think we're at that point. Mm-hmm. And then Tracy Smith will get the law club to let him back in. Exactly. Write that down. <laughs> um, <laughs> if you want our Van Wilder takes, you can listen to the Ryan Reynolds podcast from last That's summer. That's right. That's uh, right. Yes. But uh, until next time, he's Matt. I'm Ben. It's the Ben Matt Sportscast.